I've recently been very interested in learning more about crystals and energy mm-hmm. and, and all of that. Well, yesterday, um, when it, one of my friends was in town, we found this place in Austin called Nature's Treasures. And we go in not really knowing what to expect. And it's a place where you can get a lot of different gen, um, crystals and stones wholesale. Like you oh. literally go in there and there were all these square bins just full of different types of stones. And they're all oh. organized with like what they are, lots of different sizes. So for example, you, you see my rose quartz that I got that's pretty big over there. Yeah. That one was maybe like $12, but they had some. Oh, that's not bad. Not bad at all. They had some that were smaller, you know, maybe the size of like a half dollar, you know, back in the day. Some of our listeners might not even know what a half dollar is. but That um, makes me feel old. I know. As I was saying it, I was like, oh, shit. But anyway, so somewhere like small like that, somewhere uh, larger like mine, which is bigger than my fist. Yeah. Then they also had pieces that were just absolutely gigantic. So it was really cool. So we walked around the store and we were looking at, you know, what different energies and that these stones had. And then we went to another store in Austin called Crystal Works. Mm-hmm. And that's where there were some books. Um, that's where I got my sage so I could cleanse yeah. the stones. But it was just really cool. And I'm really interested in diving a little bit more into, mm. you know, creating a more positive space and positive environment and getting out the negativity. Yeah. I am definitely on the skeptical side as far as, like, crystals and stuff. But I also know that the best thing you can do is put yourself in that headspace and yes. put that out into the world. And like, so like, no, I definitely am like, okay. It's like a physical representation or reminder of like that priority in your life. Mm-hmm. Is I, That's how I view them. I definitely see what you're saying. Yeah. I will let you know. I, I saged this space today, cleansed my apartment, so... Well, if that rose quartz gets you a man, then I will buy one. All right. <laughs> I will buy one. <laughs> I'll buy three. I don't know. I'm just get you to surround yourself with rose quartz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hello, everyone. This the, is Blood and Wine. Blood and Wine, episode 14. I'm Brittany. I'm Tyler. And this week, we've got a pretty exciting episode for you guys. We do. It's, I would say it's definitely, um, since I lost last week, I chose the topic Mm -hmm. and it was one that when I picked it, I was thinking like, oh, this one's going to be pretty easy. Like, I feel like a good amount of stuff falls into this. Like there's definitely enough, um, I would assume like, oh, a case that falls into this would have a ton of research, a ton of stuff. No. It yeah. was very difficult. Yeah. Well, before we get into the topic and yeah. identifying what that is, just a quick reminder to subscribe to us on iTunes, mm-hmm. Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud. And also, if you're interested in additional content and small mini episodes, we have our murder minis for our Patreon subscribers. Yes. So head on over to Patreon and donate, and we definitely give back to you. Yes. Also, if there's another podcast platform that you'd love to see us on, uh, let us know. Tweet at us. Um, we're on Instagram, Facebook. Send us an email. Yeah. Um, because there's... Uh, Stitcher's one I didn't really know about until recently. Yeah. Uh, so let us know if there's other po- platforms that y'all listen to podcasts on or you have friends that listen to podcasts on these different platforms. 
let us know and we'll do our best to get blood and wine on those as well yeah absolutely we're i still we've been pending on spotify for a while we have i not 100 percent sure when if that's gonna come through yeah spotify is much more difficult than itunes google play because those just took a couple days of like reviewing that we had episodes and stuff and yeah that if y'all didn't know that's why it took till i believe like episode or for us to actually get on Spotify and Google Play. Or yeah. iTunes and Google Play. Right, right. You just have to have a little bit of content. Yeah. That way it's, you know, y'all can binge. True. So, um, yeah. Now I'm going to jump into what my, like, what's going on kind of yeah, thing. tell me. I'm not going to reveal too much about this case. I mean, people might already know it because I'm kind of holding it in my back pocket for a new episode or for an episode in the future, potentially, mm-hmm. depending on... A lot of things, um, but Fair. I've been watching The Last Defense on ABC, mm-hmm. and they cover two separate cases, and the second case is one from our hometown. It's this guy, Julius Jones, who was accused of murdering someone, um, a white male, who got home and came out of the car. Julius Jones is an African American, and he was basically set up. Oh. You know, and he ended up getting the death penalty. Shit. So he's been on death row in Oklahoma now for 18 years. Damn. And recently this year, Oklahoma changed their laws because I think it was last year or the year before, they were trying a... A new cocktail. Yeah, a new type of drug, and it was basically torture. Yeah. Even more so than 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 the the usual death. Right, right. So it was it was very bad. So that went away, and now it's nitrous oxide. Um, maybe I'm not it's, I'm not sure. I think so. I'm not positive either. But anyway, so that happened in March of this year, and so at any moment, Julius's Gosh. date could be called. Well. This case involves a lot of racism and just, it was very weird listening to it and watching it, knowing that was our hometown. But I will say the good news is Julius Jones is being potentially granted a new case. They're going to review his case file to see if race played a part. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how that comes. But I highly recommend the show The Last Mm -hmm. Defense and it, they're, uh, the, producer is viola davis who does how to get away with murder they're on abc as well because it's like what's it's for it's a documentary correct yes because i think i saw promos before it started and was thinking it was more of like oh it's on abc executive producer viola davis it's probably gonna be like a drama or something but it's like a documentary yep it's a docuseries nice so, and the first season is only seven episodes. I have the final one to watch. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. So, it's, okay. it's really interesting. Yeah. I'll be interested to see what cases they select for the sequential seasons. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Um, I know that the... I haven't watched too many primetime documentaries. Like, ones that are on ABC, NBC, CBS, mm-hmm. all those. I haven't seen too many documentaries of those. But I do love, um, and we've mentioned it multiple, multiple times, 
like American Crime Story, the ones that are yep. like the series based off a true crime. It's not a documentary, long ass reenactment. I don't know what they're called. There's um, a word for it. I don't know what it is at this moment, but there is a word for it. Yeah, and docudrama. I think that mm, might be it. That could be. I it. think that might. Be I it. think that's it. But I'm I'm excited for like season three. I mean, granted, it's still like a year away. I know of that, but it takes so long. But it's it's interesting because I can. I have trouble binge watching crime documentaries because a lot of documentaries, the cases are really interesting, but the documentaries themselves are pretty boring. <laughs> like it depends. There, it it very much depends because yeah. I have seen what, exactly what you're saying. I've seen some documentaries where the case is very interesting, but for some reason the delivery is like yeah. snooze fest. But I've also seen ones where they take what you would not necessarily from first glance consider Mm -hmm. an intense case and just the way it's delivered it's like whoa yeah that is true i've so there are a couple it's not necessarily in the true it's not murder cases but there are documentaries i've seen on national geographic especially the explorer series that goes into true crime uh like gang violence and gang activity in American cities. There's this one episode they did that was Lisa Lang, who's my favorite reporter. Yeah. I love her so much. Um, where she spoke to MS-13 members and like, not infiltrated the gang, but like, got to speak with high-level people in the gang, got to see their side of the world. Yeah, I feel like you've told me about this, and I can't remember when. I don't know, but it's so good. Honestly, National Geographic Explorer and National Geographic General documentaries are, in my opinion, some of the best. Oh, yeah, I could totally see that. Um, So, I definitely... I guess that's my recommendation I'm throwing out, is National Geographic Explorer. And, I mean, I'm sure you can find it online and stuff, but... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I like it. Um, I want you to, to... Go back into our topic now. We kind of like hinted at it, but you didn't even say what it is. I know. I was waiting. We left people hanging. um, Sorry about that, y'all. So our topic this week is uh, murders that happen in public. So, you know, again, something that I'm like, oh, you know, I feel like there are murders in public all the time. Like, you know, there's witnesses, whatever you see. You know, you'll see in the news, like, oh, there was a stabbing on the subway or whatever. Mm -hmm. The issue I ran into with this is there are a lot of cases that do fall into this, but not an easy way to research one. Mm Because, you know, Googling murders in public, there's one case, which we'll get into later. You see a lot about. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then there was a lot of, you know, local news stories and it'll be, you know, someone got into a fight outside a bar and was killed and the person was caught. Like they just don't have a lot of substance there or, you know, don't have enough information to make into a full episode. But with murders in public, one of the things I did want to get into was the bystander effect. Yeah. Because it's really interesting. It's something I learned about in psychology back in college, like freshman year. Bystander effect is something I think a lot of people know. A lot of people 
talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's the idea that if there is a lot of people witnessing an event, uh, you know, a murder, a crime in general, that everyone is going to assume someone else is helping out or someone else is calling the police. Yeah. And if everyone's thinking that, no one's going to. Well, and that's just, that's exactly it. If you're, if you see something, say something. Like, that is like a phrase that everyone says, but see something, say something. So what? The police get multiple 911 Mm -hmm. calls. So what? That's Call them. That's why they're there. Yeah. Well, because especially, I mean, think about it how much in, um, like, criminal trials that they'll play the 911 recordings to get more of a perspective on what's going Honestly, more 911 calls, more, you know, a bigger, I guess, view of what's going on can only help. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it's definitely something that's interesting. If you, I was, I think we've mentioned the bystander effect before. I think we have, um, just about picking out someone specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. that's something that I'll actually get into it in a little more detail in my case. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's definitely something that, especially if you take any intro to psychology class or, I mean, you talk to a 20-something-year-old that loves true crime, you can all hear about it. Um, it's true. <laughs> I mean. It's very true. Yeah, this was, this was an interesting topic to research, and I found a case that is honestly unlike any other murder I've ever heard about or any other yeah. case I've ever heard about. Well, because when I told you the topic, you were like, I know what I'm doing. I got my case. Yeah. I I had recently heard about this one and it just, it fit perfect with your topic and I was like, yep, got it. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about this wine. Yes. So, as I think Tyler has mentioned. I have. He is not a fan of Chardonnay. That is the only white wine he will not drink. It's true. Well, I mean, there is more white wine I won't drink. If you <laughs> okay. give me a Kool-Aid Moscato, I'm, okay. I'm probably going to... I don't even really consider that a wine, but I guess it's technically juice. it is. It's, um, it's juice with fun in it. Yeah. Except Moscatos are usually... Sorry, I know you're about to say something, but Go Moscatos ahead. are usually like 5%, and it just makes me sad. It, because you can juice. drink a whole bottle, and you're like... I guess I feel kind of tipsy. I don't want to think how many calories that was. It's not worth it. No. So, <laughs> you have had me try multiple white wines thus far. This and is true. so, I picked a Chardonnay for this episode. You know, if this goes well, I would be interested in doing some research and trying to see if I can find a Pinot Grigio or a Riesling that you would like. Oh, Probably God. you... Probably couldn't find a Riesling because if you could any find a really sw- dry one, yeah, I'd be interested because every Riesling I've ever had is sweet. Same, but isn't dry I'm, Riesling supposedly a thing? I, th- I think it is. Like I think you can find a dry Riesling. Yeah, but we'll see. Well, one of the main things we've talked about with Chardonnay and why you don't like it is um, the buttery flavor. Yeah. So one thing that maybe not everyone knows about, but Wines can be oaked or unoaked, and yeah. Chardonnay is one of the key wines that people think of this difference. And so, you may ask, what is that difference? You know, oh, what is yes, this? what is it? <laughs> what you. is that difference? Thank you. 
Um, but, you know, Chardonnays, you think of this buttery, fruity, delicious, creamy flavor. Those, yeah. <laughs> the face you just made was like... You're correct. That's what I think of, but... <laughs> okay, but there are two completely different kinds of Chardonnays. Those that have the buttery are oaked. Ones that are not are unoaked. Unoaked Chardonnays are Chardonnays are aged in steel and not oak. I mean, obviously, oaked means they're... They're in an oak barrel. Yes, yeah. exactly. So another thing that's different in, in barrel or whatever the container the wine is fermented in and also stored in, it takes flavors from that. Yeah. It's similar to... Um, like whiskeys, yeah. Well, like barrel aged whiskey, it's well, in a wood barrel. It that I feel like we either had one separately, or I think we had it in one of our previous episodes where we had, um, I believe, a cabernet that was aged in a whiskey barrel. Yes, yeah. we've done that. There's also we've done that. We've been there. <laughs> yep. That's old news. No, you, we totally did that one. There's also wines that, or excuse me, barrels that are French. French oak, American oak, they make different flavor profiles. Some red wines, you will have some portions of that wine aged in an American barrel, some in a French, and then you mix it together. Like, there are so many different things that you can do with an oak barrel to influence the flavors of that wine. Now, do you know if you can use other wood for the barrels? I've never heard of anything other than oak. Me neither, but I feel like... Because Texas very much has a burgeoning wine industry, and if possible, I would not be surprised at all if there's a Texas vineyard that uses, like, cedar barrels. I'm not going to comment on it, because I honestly have no idea. I don't either, but, but that if it's a thing you can do, I'm sure it's being done in Texas. Yeah. there It's the it's the cedar state. That's not what it is, but there's but a lot it of... It seems like there's a lot of cedar everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Another thing about oak barrels when it comes to chardonnay specifically or i guess this would technically apply to all wines but uh the article i found this information from was talking specifically about chardonnays yeah if you ferment the wine in an oak barrel versus just storing it in an oak barrel how much influence that oak has on the flavor is different oh so if it ferments in the oak barrel it's going to be more of the creamy buttery if it's just stored in it, it's going to have a lot less impact. Okay. Okay. So, um, steel-aged Chardonnays, like I said, they're crisper, they're fruitier, they're more along the profile that I think you would enjoy in a Chardonnay. Yeah. Um, I, on the other hand, I don't know if I've mentioned this, or maybe I have, but I love the buttery. I love yeah. oak Chardonnays. This um, is like the big, for the most part... We all like this. We like the same wines, but yeah. this is really where we diverge. Except it's interesting. I don't really mind a oaky like cab or an oaky red. It depends. If it's real, yeah. real oaky, then that's just a lot. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's so. Oh, it'll be interesting. I can't remember the last time I had an oak or I had a shard in general. Yeah. So this will be interesting to see. Yeah, and then the last thing um, that I'll say about oaked versus unoaked before I jump into the actual wine that I selected, for the most part, American Chardonnays are almost always oaked, and 
European Chardonnays are still aged and they tend to have more of this like bright apple and citrus flavors. Yeah. Okay. So that being said, I'm going to be interested to see what you think of this Chardonnay. I picked Artius Chardonnay mm. from California. Okay. So it is an American Chardonnay. However, when I read the description, it didn't feel buttery. And so what it says, it's has different aromas of white peach, golden apple, honeycomb, and Meyer lemon. Okay. Which is very specific. Yeah. It'll have a generous mouthful enhanced by floral tones and hints of nuts and caramel. Okay. Like I said, it doesn't... Generous mouthful. God. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard that when talking about wine. Yeah, that's literally what it says on the back of the label. Generous mouth... Oh. <laughs> mouth feel. Oh. <laughs> that sounds... Honestly, I still don't know what that means. <laughs> Um, it's like the feeling you have no, in the mouth. No, I know what mouthfeel is. <laughs> it's pretty straightforward, but in, it, generous. In order to have the mouthfeel, you must have a mouthful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're going to be gulping this wine. It's a gulper. It's a gulping wine. And <laughs> God. It's a gulping buttery oasis of cream. Yeah, I will not be gulping then if that's, uh, <laughs> if that's what it is. Okay. So, before, you know, I'm not going to leave you waiting any longer. Oh, also, but look how cute that little flower is on this label. Is that where you got it? Yes. The flower? It yeah. is. You know me, I always pick wine by the label. Well, it's the opposite of don't judge a book by its cover, but do judge a wine by its bottle. Yeah. Although, I mean, sometimes they're the, the Saldo Zen that I've told you about many times, mm -hmm. it literally doesn't even have a label. It has a little red... What looks like I know, but that's like bougie minimalistic. Yeah, but I like, love it. Uh, same. Um, I love the look and the wine. But all right, let's get into this little guy. Yes. Hey, okay. I'm not gonna waste time smelling taking off that cork. No, no, no. Oh. We're gonna smell it. But let me oh. pour. Okay, so it's very golden. Oh, it's very golden. It looks like if that came out of you, you are dehydrated <laughs> I AF. I That's know. how you know a good shard. All right. I'm nervous for you. Oh. Okay, so swirl. Okay, so it smells fruity. It does. It does smell fruity. <laughs> You're like sloshing that. Swirling it. Oh, wait. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. That was a weird sound. I know. It's still well. My glass was still ringing, and I tilted it, and the water. That tastes oh. sweet to me. There's no buttery. No. This must be one of the rare unoaked American Chardonnays. Yeah, that's interesting. Cause it's um. Yeah, I mean it's a Chardonnay. Yeah, this... it's more like viscous, heavier than like. The whites I'm used to. Absolutely. Like, I think that's the big difference. And I'm okay with that. So, it, it okay. Ha it has... I I feel like I really do taste this apple. Is that what... Hang on, let me see. What are we having a mouthful feel of? Uh Oh, nuts and caramel. Okay, but... I don't really get the nuts it has, and caramel. So it has the aromas of, like, the white peach and the golden apple. I'm mm -hmm. definitely... I'm getting very golden apple. I'm not getting nuts and caramel. No. Same. It's... Fruity. I'm not a, or, I'm not a, um, 
I'm a fan. I'm, it's not bad. All right. Well, can we cheers one more time? Because I actually got a Chardonnay that you like. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it did it again. So you know what this means. Uh, now it is my goal to find a Riesling or a Pinot Grigio that you like. Um, just Pinot find... Grigio is going to be hard because I also don't like Pinot Grigio. But you know so, what? Some of our fans might love Pinot Grigio and yeah. we need to do that for them. We do. It's all for you. It's all for you. It is. So, okay. We've got our wine pour. Told people about our topic. Are you ready for me to get into my case? Yes. Okay. So, I heard about this case, like I said, recently. Yes. I am probably very behind on this, but I recently started listening to Sword and Scale, Mm -hmm. and it's so good. It's so good. I... It, they they first started in 2014. Oh, mm-hmm. it's a podcast. I didn't say that. So it's a podcast. Highly, highly recommend it. So I was listening to some back episodes of theirs, and they talked about this case. And then when you said the topic, public murders, I was like, oh, I fucking know exactly what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, just so fucking know. So the sources that I used um, are obviously Sword and Scale. Mm-hmm. I used the News and Observer website which had plenty of articles like all about this case. Yeah. And then also ABC 11, which was the news station in Apex, North Carolina, which is where this happened. Okay. So it's also a very recent one. It happened on Thursday, January 12th, 2017. Oh, God. Yeah, that is recent. Okay. Very recent. There was an 18-year-old girl named Priyanka Kumari, and she was on her way home after school one day and you know about this one i almost picked this one but i I didn't read any details all right well good for you i've uh (laughs) his face i was like oh shit he knows exactly about what i'm about to tell him Mm -hmm. and no i actually don't know the details um because i saw it that was when i was like i have this one let me do a little more research i saw this one Read like two senses, was like, I'll just, you know what? I'm doing mine. I'm doing the case I picked earlier. I'm so glad that you didn't read more into it. Also, it's kind of funny that we've made it to this episode, and that's the first time this has happened where you're like, I almost picked that one. I know. We've been really lucky that we have yet to pick the same case. Yeah. Well, usually (laughs) we will um, just a little view into our process. I'm going to derail you from talking about your case for a second. Yeah, go for it. Um, Is that. Because we don't know the other person's case until we're recording, but to keep us from picking the same cases, we'll usually do the, okay, well, mine happens in Los Angeles, so don't do one in Los Angeles. Yeah. And that's kind of... So if you ever notice when we do a case, if two of ours seem kind of similar, different cases, but similar, or if they seem completely different sides of the topic. Yeah, and like how to take the topic. Yeah, that's that's why. That's why. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Yes. Well, let me tell you about the case you didn't read about because trust me, is a good one. Okay. Priyanka was walking home from school. Again, she had just gotten off the bus in the Bella Casa subdivision where she lived. Mm -hmm. So she's just walking down the street. It's about 3 o'clock, and she's on the sidewalk, headed to uh, her home. 
people are everywhere. They're sitting in cars. They're in homes along the street. Like, it's it's right after school. People are outside. Like, there's activity. Suddenly, Priyanka was attacked by this man who just ran towards her and started viciously slashing into her body with a machete. Jesus. In broad daylight. So this is like 3 p.m. It is 3 p.m. Fuck. In a neighborhood? In a neighborhood. Now this is literally, when I was reading this, of course we didn't grow up in North Carolina, but I'm picturing our neighborhood. neighborhood. Yeah. And it was not in front of her house. It was in front of someone's house. And it's that sidewalk that's right there by your mailbox. Yeah. Just the sidewalk in the neighborhood. He comes up and starts slashing her with a machete. Fuck. Um, there were witnesses everywhere. Yeah. They all started calling 911 to report this attack. Um, they, you know, they're, they're seeing this happen. They're feeling incredibly helpless because this, this person is just swinging a machete. Oh my God. And so it's not like these people can try to go. So it's a delicate thing because obviously they were feel fearful for their life and their safety. But when someone's got a fucking machete, it's not... I mean, all you have to do is get close and you can get injured. Yeah. Well, and depending on, like, how sharp the machete... Like, you could lose an arm or your life. Or, like, there's not... It's not like a small knife where you could, you know, maybe more easily disarm someone. It's Mm -hmm. a sword. Yeah. Like, it... (laughs) So, the police department received multiple 911 calls, and it, it these 911 calls dialogue this entire incident, and it happens over about nine minutes from the time it starts until police arrive. But from 3 o'clock to 3.09, there are just all of these 911 calls coming in, and, um, you know, one caller... They're they're all panicking. Yeah. Because, like, they're seeing this, and the 911 callers are trying to get information out of them. You know, where is this happening? Um, what's happening? What are you seeing? Are you involved? How do you know? And it's just like, he's just doing it right here in front of us. Yeah. And so one woman, you know, was screaming and saying, he's, he's hacking into her. Oh, my God. Please send help. Um, the police department ended up releasing five of the 911 calls from all of these different people who were pleading with the dispatchers, you know, send help, send help while this woman is still alive. This man is standing over her on the sidewalk, just oh slashing my God. her. And it appears that he is trying to cut off her head. And oh my there's God. blood everywhere. Yeah. Um, the names of the callers were obviously not released, yeah. but there was, there was one woman who was parked near where the attack was taking place and she was just heading home from school again when it began and she calls 911 and you can you can hear her say in the background close your eyes close your eyes her kid was in the car with her because again oh she just God. picked him up from school um she's near hysterics and she describes a man wearing a hooded coat wielding a machete stabbing slashing the head the body the arms the woman's bleeding profusely um and then she goes to say he's stepping on her throat he's trying to kill her um another caller was saying that the attack had been going on for about five minutes and he felt 
absolutely powerless to stop. So even this this man called as well. It wasn't, you know, it was just everyone in the neighborhood yeah. that's watching this. And this guy was just like, we have got to get the cops here. I can't help her. There, there's this huge blade. I can't do anything. Oh, my God. I actually have the 911 calls. And I mm-hmm. listened to all of them. And I'm not going to play the entire thing. But I do want to play a sampling just to... It takes cases to me to an entirely different level when you hear someone who's witnessing that in the oh, moment. Absolutely. And someone who was there... It's terrifying. 911 calls are not something I can always listen to. Um, so, for our listeners, if you're not interested yeah. in listening, I'm going to play about 20 to 30 seconds. So, just fast forward a bit if you don't yeah. want to listen to the 911 call. Because I know it's it's a very sensitive topic. It, it is. It's definitely something that definitely deserves some kind of, like, trigger warning. This is what I found from the ABC 11 news station mm-hmm. they released this 911 call and this is from one of the witnesses who saw this happening so what's happening happened at the beginning she is told the 911 dispatcher the the intersection of where this is happening asked for them to bring the cops and she said like there's a, there's a woman that's being attacked so yeah. i will go ahead and hit play from there another this call goes on for another three minutes Mm -hmm. and it's you know the woman is trying everything she can to stay calm to give the dispatcher all the information but she's watching this young girl this 18 year old priyanka being attacked and sliced um yeah so witnesses told police that the attacker was trying to cut off her head, like I was saying, and he mm-hmm. was acting in this sawing motion. And for several minutes, he repeatedly struck her with the machete, attempted to incise her neck, and um, mm. just, she's, like I said, there's blood everywhere. God. Uh, one of these witnesses actually used their cell phone to videotape the attack. So there was... Footage and, and not in a oh I've got to share this in a I've got to get this on recording so we can yeah. make sure and get this guy yeah. Later, the attacker was identified as twenty year old Neil Meta. Uh, he lived in Cary, North Carolina, and when the police arrived, Meta was still striking Priyanka with this machete, but oh he God. he dropped the weapon when the officers approached him. They. Arrested him, charged him with assault with a deadly weapon, while an EMS crew who was also there rushed to take Priyanka to Duke University Hospital in Durham with serious wounds. Yeah. She was treated for wounds to her face, neck, and hands. She did survive. 
He did oh, not succeed God. in killing her. I'm assuming most of the hand wounds are defensive. Absolutely. Like, She's trying to fend, oh fend him God. off. Like, Fucking, you know what? I want to take a pause. Cheers for fucking Priyanka. I mean, she's, she's a fighter. She's a fucking survivor. Yes. She's a survivor. She was a fighter. And I, you know, when I read that she survived this, I was like, holy shit. You go, girl. Because... You know, nine minutes. Nine minutes with a fucking machete. Uh, yeah. I just can't... I cannot imagine the serious trauma that so many people now have after witnessing this. Yeah. I... I can't imagine how many times, how many times, like, not wanting her to die, but how she and a lot of people watching must have just thought, just please let this be over. Like, yeah, yeah. let him finish it. Like, like quit torturing her absolutely. kind of thing. Which is, uh, yeah. Yeah, she has had multiple surgeries and... Doctors are unsure if she's ever going to regain full function of her hands at all uh, because of all the defense wounds. Yeah. And I had it in here, but I think I think I accidentally cut it from my notes. I think he hit her like 26 times on the head or something like that. Oh, my God. No, it was like an ungodly number. Like, I couldn't believe it. How um, did... God. Yeah. <laughs> so, um... Meta confessed to the assault when the police started questioning yeah. him after his arrest. He told investigators that he had actually been dating Priyanka previously. They were in a relationship uh, that had started about 18 months earlier um, prior to the attack. Their relationship had been over for six months. And he was pissed that she no longer communicated with him. And he kept trying to reach out to her. And he told the police that... She hadn't been returning his text messages, his emails, or his calls. And after further investigation, turns out that it, it appeared he'd been stalking her for some time. And yeah. he, had been, he had been planning this attack for several oh weeks. He, he planned this in advance. He then took a lift to her neighborhood, like with a machete and everything. I guess he had it in a backpack or something. Jeez. So he just takes a lift to her neighborhood where he attacked her after she got off the school bus. Uh, police officers used a warrant to search his cell phone to, for the evidence that he had ordered yeah. a lift, and you know he had. So you know they, they confirmed that he had taken this lift. They contacted the driver to interview him, uh, just about his time with Meta and taking the ride. Oh my god! So after his arrest and his confession, he had his hearing. He appeared on video from the Wake County Detention Center in front of the Wake County District Judge Margaret Eagles. Wake County Assistant District Attorney Anna Davis told the judge that prosecutors planned to upgrade the charge against Meta to attempted murder. Yeah. Because it definitely was. It uh, was not just um, assault with a deadly weapon. Yeah, no absolutely attempted murder. Yeah. And so Anna Davis requested that the judge deny bail in this case. But what the judge ended up doing, uh, Margaret Eagles set a $2 million cash bond. Yeah. And scheduled a court hearing for February 3rd. Oh, so very soon. Yes. Uh, Meta asked for a public defender and asked the judge about this cash bond, you know, how much he would have to put up to, you know, for a bail bondsman to, you know, help get him out. And basically yeah. she's like, and it's 
cash only. Like, even to your bill, Bossman, for that 10% or whatever. It's like cash only. So he would have to have 200 grand yeah. in cash. Yeah. Additionally, Eagles ordered that Meta not have any contact with Priyanka before his case is decided. So he could not contact her through social media. He couldn't be within 500 feet of her at any time. Good. And I know it ended up expanding to her family as well. Good. Where he just, he could not reach out to any of them. He could not contact her. Just had to stay completely away. So recently, as in, like, literally a few weeks ago, June 29th, 2018. Oh, fuck. Okay. <laughs> um, he was accused of attacking Priyanka with a machete, and he pleaded guilty to that. Priyanka and her family were not at this hearing. If, you know, and at that time, if uh, Meta didn't take a plea, that's when his trial date would have been set. Yeah. So he took a plea and was sentenced to a minimum of 18 years in prison, which... I do not think is anywhere near long enough, but I think it's because she didn't actually die. That's my yeah. only, like, justification. That well, I can... yeah, because it's attempted instead of completed. Right. This poor girl, like I said, I don't think she's going to have full function of her hands. Um, and she's, what, 19 now? She's 19, so her graduation would have been... Wait, actually, she was in high school? Yeah, yeah, she was 18 years old. Oh my god. She hadn't I, even for some reason, yet. I was thinking, oh, she's 18, she's like a freshman in college. Nope. But no, you. she was getting off the school bus, she's a fucking high school kid. Yeah, so the attack happened in January, and I believe her graduation was uh, May 2017, so of that same year. That would... Yeah. yeah I, it didn't say that, but that's what makes sense to me with yeah, the math. May or June, if North Carolina's one of those June... September yes. to June states. So she did not attend her graduation because she did not want to be seen as a victim by her fellow classmates. She didn't want okay. that to be what her graduation was about. Yeah. And obviously, you know, she's she's working through a lot of things. Yeah. Um, I, I can't even imagine I, how you move on from being attacked like this. But... Yeah. So how, how does someone what I don't understand and it's why do you think you are so important that you deserve an, another person? What do you Th- mean? There are so many cases I read where um a jilted lover is like, you know what, uh, well they broke up with me. Like obviously so I tried to kill them. Oh. Like why the fuck do you think you are so important that the other person, like, what, doesn't deserve the free will to ch- choose someone other than you? Or to just choose nobody other than you? Right. Like, who who do you think you are that this person deserves to die because... They didn't they, want you. They don't want you. They don't want to hear from you. You know what? Like, there's so many people out there that... It blows my mind just how self-involved and how the level of narcissism that so many people have that they cannot comprehend this other person, you know, not wanting to be with them. And like, yeah, it's hard to be in love with someone who does not love you back. That sucks. But it does not give you the right to kill them. It doesn't give you the right to do anything. Or harm them or stop them or... If they don't... Or if they don't want to be with you, they don't yeah. want to be with you. And you get the fuck over because it. Because obviously... To me, if you really love them, if that's your thing, if you love them... You let them go. And they are telling you, 
I am happier without you, then you should say, okay, I love you. I want what is best for you. What is best for you is without me because sorry, you're not this all knowing being who can see the future and, oh, you belong with me. Fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. But I will (laughs) say the, I'm very thankful the, the public saved Priyanka's life. Yeah. By calling and multiple Mm -hmm. people called, reported this happening. Yeah. And again, they understood that they couldn't really jump in and try to save her, that it was a very violent and attack that was going on and that this guy probably would have started attacking them in a similar manner. But this is one where thankfully there was not the bystander effect people or Maybe there was. I think everyone was, like, in their homes, in their cars. But they were calling. They were making sure that the police were coming. There were people, like I said, I listened to multiple 911 calls. But they're begging the dispatchers, like, please, please. She's going to die. Please. I know I have this, and I think a lot of people do. I think it's a very common thing. Is that grandiose idea of in a situation like this, you would be the savior. You would be the one who runs outside with a baseball bat or something you say for you know i i think a lot of people have those yeah. thoughts and ideas but i think in this case the people that called 911 that stayed on the phone that kept i guess i don't want to say kept an eye on the situation but like were able to relay that information and mm-hmm. relay the severity of what's going on yeah like that is that level of heroism that was needed then absolutely and the fact that it's a recorded eyewitness account mm-hmm. of this attack. And at the beginning of these calls, you know, it's like, oh, this man's attacking this woman. And then it's like, holy shit, he has a machete. He has a saw. Like some people mm-hmm. on the call said saw because of his motions. Like he is attacking her. There's blood everywhere. He's trying to cut her head off. He's stepping on. Like they're giving details. Yeah. And that is forever like. Well, and also just think about. Or like able to be recounted. Mm-hmm. Well, and even getting down to, like, the the small details of it, because of those calls, because of all of that info and the detail, that EMT team going to there knew what they were dealing with. They knew, like, okay, we're going to be dealing with stab wounds. We're going to be dealing with open cuts. We're going to be dealing with that. slices. Yeah. Because if it was just an attack... You know, maybe they're thinking they need to be dealing with a gunshot wound or they may be dealing with blunt trauma. But if they can know, like, okay, we're dealing with stab slices, like, okay, these are the things we need to prepare mentally and, like, actually medically, like, you know, get the gauze, get, you know, sutures, pain meds, that kind of shit. Yeah. So that I'm sure in so many more ways than even we can think about those callers saved her life. Absolutely. So that's the story of not the murder of, Priyanka Kumari, the survival of Priyanka Kumari. Okay, well, are you ready, before you get into your case, uh, to open the second bottle of this wine? Yes, I am. The the Chardonnay that you love? Honestly, yeah, the more I drink this, the more I'm like, yes. Because, like, when I, for me, when I drink white wine, maybe 90% of the time, it's a Sauvignon Blanc. That's the white wine I go to. Right. Which Sauvignon Blanc is great when it's hot out, when it's like day or, mm-hmm. but it's not one that I would want in the winter or one that I would necessarily want with dinner for the most part. Like if I was having a right. light, like a nice salad for dinner, then yeah. But if I'm right. having like a, you know, heavy solid dinner, I wouldn't want a really light wine. Well, and, and this is, I would say this is 
a white wine. I'm like, yeah, this is a heavier white. This is, I definitely could see myself drinking this. Well, and don't you see why now, as I told you, you know, primarily I'm a red wine drinker. Mm -hmm. Why this is the white that I like the most. Yeah. Because oh, it, it's absolutely. heavier. And also the mouth feel is that mm -hmm. heaviness. Yeah. It's more viscous. It's more. It's, I like it's that heavier. word. Viscous. Yeah. So. Let's. Let me jump into my case. So I a little bit referenced mine before. Mm -hmm. um, and mine is the case of Kitty Genovese. Oh, which kitty. this is a case I think a lot of people know about, right? But a lot of people don't know her name. I take big issue with it, and I'll explain more at the end of my case. But so the sources I used were Wikipedia, the Association for Psychological Science, mm -hmm. the New Yorker, and the New York Times. Nice. So this is a case that's really most well known as one of the biggest public murders. Oh, yeah. And it was really the start into the social psychological research into the bystander effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, you know, when you mentioned that earlier, mm -hmm. I, I knew this would heavily influence your case. Yeah. Well, um, and one of the... The bystander effect is also known as Genovese syndrome because of this case. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. But there's there's a lot more to it. So... Let me, I'm going to get into the story that everyone knows and then get into what actually happened. Oh my God, I love that. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So the story that everyone knows, mm -hmm. you know, March 13th, 1964, this 28-year-old woman named Kitty Genovese um, is murdered outside of her apartment in mm -hmm. Queens, New York. Mm -hmm. um, over the course of the attack that lasted over 30 minutes, she was stabbed at least 14 times. Yeah. God. Um, Two weeks later, the New York Times publishes an article that claims that 38 witnesses saw or heard the attack, but none of them called the police or came to her aid. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, getting into the bystander effect, everyone's thinking someone else is going to do something. Right. And no one does. God. So the case actually caught the attention oh, of the public as well as psychological scientists who really kind of dove into... Why? Like, why did this happen? Why did these 38 people do nothing? Obviously, they're not terrible people. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, obviously, this is a group of people. There's there's something else in the works here. Uh -huh. um, and looking at it from a sociological standpoint, why? Um, and this led into the research that is the foundation of the bystander effect or Genovese syndrome. Mm -hmm. But what was reported and what is has been the base of a lot of psychology textbooks for more than 40 years now. Mm -hmm. It's not correct. Like, it's not this, It's not what happened. So what you just said is the story that's in all the books and et cetera? Yeah, okay. yeah. that's the story I learned that's, in that's the one Psych I've 101. Learned. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, and it's something... God, I loved Psych 101. Just side note, I oh, took same. that at OU. Same. I loved that so much. It was... Well, it's the reason that, because at the time my major was nursing, and Psych 101 and Sociology 101 were really what made me be like, uh, I'm going to change my major. Also, how like competitive the nursing program was and how I was a real shit student my first couple years in college. <laughs> I completely forgot you started with nursing. Mm -hmm. I would have never remembered that if you had not just said it right now. I would have yeah. thought that you, but now I'm thinking back and I'm like, oh yeah. 
what you got your degree in is not mm-hmm. what you started it in. Yeah. But I, also, you know, that's true for all of us. Like me, you, and Sid. What did you start out as? Well, okay, mine's true, but a little bit different. So uh, I started... I'm like, um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> no, 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 it is true if, if you'll, like, listen. I don't know what that's like. <laughs> Listening? Yes. <laughs> no, so my degree is in art history. However... Of course, I had my realization of like, oh, shit, what am I supposed to do with this? Is this really what I wanted to do? When I only needed six hours to graduate. Oh, my God, same. Which is why I added a business minor because I was like, well, shit, I've got to do something to make myself a little bit more well-rounded. But I was that kid. You know, I had my degree in art history. I had a minor in history. I got a minor in business. And I was like one class away from a minor in French. And it's just... Clearly, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I couldn't figure it out. But I'd already taken so many hours that I'm like, well, I, I need to just graduate. I've got to finish this degree or something. Yeah. So I, you know, I took an extra semester because I added the business minor, went through, like, I had to take, like, a math uh, test to <laughs> determine what level of math I could get into. Because mm-hmm. math is not my thing. Obviously, Same. I'm an art person. Yeah. I took, like, pre-calc in college. When I it was my senior year, and I'm in it's it's me in a class of freshmen. I was that senior. Oh my god! And that I... class was hard. I hated it, but yeah. I had to have it for my business minor. That's it. That's interesting. So I had to take that same test. I took mine freshman year, um, and tested into pre-calc, but I barely tested into pre-calc, and my advisor was like, "I would honestly re- suggest you do." college algebra instead um, and get your math credit there. (gasps) I may have done college algebra. Well, yeah, because college algebra is the one below pre-calc at OU. I know. I may have done that. It was like top of like a GA and like, Mm -hmm. I think I did that. Yeah, because it was like, uh, for some reason I remember it being like pre-calc 1643 or college algebra like 1115. Don't know if, like, the lower number, but it felt lower. Don't know if it means anything. I'm pretty sure it did. But, um, one, that was the class that I failed the first time taking that class. Yeah. And I I think that was my first class ever that I'd ever failed. And I I had to retake again. It was, like, it, that was the class that I spent, like, a couple hours a night, every night, studying for. Because geometry has always been a strong suit of mine. Mm Mm-hmm. Algebra, no. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, and it's funny. The one... So, I never... I did never fail a class, but I have had a class that I've taken more than once. So, when I added this business minor, I had to take accounting. And then there was, like, a second level of accounting. It was, like, something business. Mm -hmm. That's the one I graduated with a D in. So, I literally barely passed that class. (laughs) It's so funny because... I was one of those students, like, for the majority of the classes, like, all my art ones or whatever, it was, like, A. Mm-hmm. And I and I got a fair amount of Bs yeah, as well. Yeah, because you were on, like, the Dean's Honor Roll or something once or twice. I, a few times, yeah, yeah. for multiple semesters. Yeah. But, like, um, <laughs> but, like, it's funny. Fuck you, you. You look at my OU transcript and it's, like, A, 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 B, A, 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 B, A, 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 D. And it's just, like, what? And then it, there's the rest of A's surrounding it. and um, But... When I went to NYU for my master's degree, I took accounting mm-hmm. again, and I'm in my head. It was so funny because it's the same class. Mm-hmm. However, it was at Stern, which is a very well-known yeah. business college, and 
So it was harder for sure, but it was the same stuff I learned at OU. And you would think me taking a class, and that was the class that I passed for regular accounting. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I passed both, but it's the one, I think I ended up with a B from the curve. Yeah. Um, When I took it again, it was like a foreign concept still. But the professor I had at NYU, and maybe the fact that it was the second time I'd learned all of this stuff, Mm -hmm. I made a B in that class. I also think due to the curve. Yeah. Because those are the classes where there's always a curve. Because it's fucking hard. Yeah. And I think about the people who, that's what they want to do for a living. And I'm like, okay, thank God there are mm-hmm. some of y'all out here. Because the oh, rest absolutely. of us are like, what the fuck is accounting? Yeah. I can't. But I need someone in my life that can. That's so interesting. So I realized I did not. Because I, after freshman year, switched to criminology. Right. Um, and then I realized in Norway. So my. Oh, so when you're taking like local law, law classes and stuff? Yeah. Because yeah. I don't know if y'all know this. Uh, criminology is not a thing at University of Oslo. So they were like, oh, well, you're in the law school. And I was like, oh, here I am. Which <laughs> I guess I'm so taking law classes. Cool. So fucking cool. So all my classes were like international law. Which was pretty interesting. I was like, this is super cool. Well, and that's what our cousin but, did. Yeah, she so, she right? is taking the bar soon. She is. So, you know, shout out. We know you're going to do awesome. Shout out, cuz. You got this. We got... I mean, this might actually come out after the bar, but I don't know. Anyway, so I realized, I was like, I don't want to do this for a career. I don't yeah. want to do criminal justice. I, I enjoy it as an interest, but I don't want to do it. And I was, I had a year left. Yeah. Of school. Um, so I looked into it and unfortunately not all of my credits transferred. So I had to have 14 hours more of just general elective credits. Yeah. And an HR minor was 15 hours. And you, you can't take 14 hours of classes. Like no. there's not. So you take 15. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to get an HR minor. And I didn't realize you had an HR minor. Yes, I mm-hmm. did. Yes, I did. And that is when I fell in love with HR. I was like, oh my God, this is me. Yep. And I still regret that I didn't, I don't know, I don't regret that I didn't change my major, but I wish I had realized this sooner and could have. Right. But yeah, that was, so I tacked on a minor, like with two semesters left to graduate. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. But. But, you know, for me. Thankfully, my combo of art, history, and business was perfect for what I go- went to grad school for, which yeah. is art business. Yeah. And it's like... That's perfect. Hi. That's literally what I did. Like, without knowing it, that's what I set myself up Ooh. for. And then, you know, our sister, she started with education. Early childhood education. It was early childhood education. Yeah. And now she's a master stylist who has a barbering license, mm-hmm. which is... A, a lot more like that's not something every hairdresser does yeah. she's she like set she the bar like oh high God. and she's phenomenal and she makes the highest commission at her yeah. job well that's one of those things that i obviously if you were also a hairstylist yes i would go to you you're my family I support you but like i go to sid because she's the only person who i could be like i want like i don't know and she'll be like okay look i'll do this because I know that, you know, you don't want your face to look rounder. Mm-hmm. I know you like your part on this side. I know you want this. So here's what I'm going to do. But it's going to be fun and different. And just trust me. 100% do. Yeah. Well, and she knows how 
fucking picky I am with my hair, I trust her. I'll walk yeah. in there and just be like, I'm thinking this. Keep it the yeah. same color. She is, she has by far made my hair the best it's ever been in my life. Oh my I'm god, happy, same. I'm happier with my haircuts than I ever have been. Because there, I will never forget the time when I was a kid and after I got my hair done, I went home and cried. And like, it's one of those <laughs> things, I know it, but it, it's part of but, my hair complex yeah. and why I'm so picky about it. But like with her, I'm just like, just do whatever, I trust you. Because she knows what's best. Yeah. Well, I was always the kid, I would get a buzz cut every six weeks or so. Yep, you did. We would... All the buzz cut. Yeah. Our dad would just buzz my hair, and then that's what I had until the age of, like, 17 or 18. Yeah. And I realized, I was like, oh my god, I can do things with my hair. <laughs> Wait, um, this grows more and I can do stuff with it? And I've been to a lot of different hairstylists, even ones that, like, oh, this is gonna be, like, 200 bucks. And I'm like, okay, fuck. I've never had someone who's as good as Sid. Yep. So... Just saying. Anyway, we got way Sorry. off topic. It was a major tangent, but please Apologies. tell me more about Kitty. your case and Kitty. And I want to know the real story. Yes. So. Because I, I think I know bits and pieces, but I want to know everything. The real story. Um, at about 2.30 a.m., March 13th, 1964, mm-hmm. uh, Kitty leaves the bar where she's working and begins driving home. While waiting at a traffic light to change um, on Hoover Avenue, Mm -hmm. she's spotted by Winston Mosley, who's just sitting in his car that's parked, just waiting and watching. Oh, God. So, she gets home around 3.15 Mm a.m. She parks her car in the Kew Gardens Long Island Railroad Station parking lot. You probably know these places much better than I do since you've lived in Brooklyn. I have no idea what these locations are. Yeah, but. no, I'm I'm picturing this. I, I'm yeah. yeah, I'm there. Yeah. So, um, this parking lot is like a hundred feet away from her apartment. Okay. So that's where she parks her car. Yeah. As she's walking towards her apartment, Mosley, who had followed her home, gets out of his car, which he'd parked at a corner bus stop on Austin Street. Uh huh. He's armed with a hunting knife and is approaching her. Um, so she sees him and she's like, oh, fuck no. So she starts running towards the front of her building and he runs after her. He overtakes her and stabs her twice in the back. Why? Um, Why? Oh, he explains after, he explains why. I'll let you get to it. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So she's stabbed twice in the back and she's screaming, oh my God, he stabbed me. Help me. Several of her neighbors heard her cry, but only a few of them recognized the sound as a cry for help. Um, um, she said, he stabbed me, help. They're, I'm assuming they're, for the most part, in their apartments, maybe asleep. Probably. It is 3 a.m. Oh, and they just hear, like, And they hear screams. screaming. It's Queens. It's 3 a.m. Right. So, so okay. Yeah. Screaming. I, I unfortunately get it. But. Yeah. So, Robert Moser, who's one of the neighbors shouted at the attacker. He says, let that girl alone. And Mosley ran away. And so Genovese is slowly like making her way to the rear entrance of the building. She's seriously injured, but she's now behind the building. Yeah. Out of the view of any witnesses. She's not on the street. She's like in the back alley. Oh my God. So. Why didn't she crawl up to the door and go inside? She tried. So, witnesses saw Mosley enter his car, drive away, and return ten minutes later. He was hiding his face with a wide-brimmed hat now. And he systematically started searching the parking lot, the train station, the complex, 
looking for her, and he eventually found her barely conscious and lying in a hallway at the back of the building. Where oh, so she had gotten inside. She was right outside, in like an outside hallway, oh. because there was a locked door that prevented her from going in. Shit. And she's barely conscious, losing blood, like, so this is out of view of the street, and any who would have really seen or heard the initial attack, he stabs her several more times, oh my God. rapes her, oh my God, and steals $49 from her before running away again. Yeah, you need that $49, you fuck twad. Yeah. So this whole attack from beginning to end spanned about half an hour, and the knife wounds to her hand suggested that she had tried to defend herself. Of course. If you have stab um, wounds on your hands, that's what it's from. Yeah. Totally. Um, a neighbor, Sophia Farrar, found her shortly after and like held her in her arms as the <gasps> police were on their way. Oh my god. So So her neighbors were less shit than we've all been told. Yeah. Like they were calling the police and doing stuff, but the way the situation was you know, him leaving, coming back, a lot of them didn't think it was the same attack, didn't hear her totally. the second time. I mean, a lot of the knife wounds were, I think she had two wounds to her lungs. Well, so that's she's what I was going to say. Maybe the second time, there wasn't as much noise. Well, yeah, she's not Especially able to scream. conscious. Yeah. Yeah. So records of the earliest calls to police were unclear and they weren't given a high priority. Um, oh, okay. One witness said that his father called the police after the initial attack. Oh, is this um, maybe the guy that yelled out the window? I don't Not sure. Okay. Uh, but he reported that a woman was beat up, but she got up and she's staggering around. You know, they, uh, people might be like, oh, the police might be like, okay, drunk girl. I like, know. Yeah. Fuck. A few minutes after the final attack, another witness, Carl Ross, called the police uh, they arrived within minutes of his call. She was picked up by the ambulance at 4.15 a.m. Um, and died en route to the hospital. And this was when the other neighbor was holding her. And they yeah. Came. Oh, my God. Yeah. Five days after her murder, uh, police arrest a 29-year-old named Winston Mosley for burglary. When he's in custody, he confessed to killing Kitty. He detailed the attack, which corroborated evidence uh, that was found at the scene. Yeah. Um, and he said that his motive for the attack was simply to kill a woman. Fuck him. Fuck that guy. Yeah. He said God. he preferred to kill women because they were easier and didn't fight back. So not only is he a rapist and a murderer, he's sexist as fuck and fucking trash. Yep. Like, just in general. Fuck Even if he guy. had done nothing to anyone... He's sexist garbage. Yep. Fuck him. Um, So he stated he got up that night around 2 a.m., left his wife asleep at home, because, yeah, he's married. Oh, of course Mm -hmm. he is. It's the 60s. Yeah. And Um, he's a trash person. Yep. So he drove through Queens looking for a victim. Just Um, like, I'm going to murder someone tonight. Yep. Let's see let's who, see who. Looks let's, like. Let's read the menu. Let's read the menu of the most vulnerable people who are out at 3 a.m. And I'm going to fucking kill one. Mm-hmm. Garbage. Absolute garbage. So he saw Kitty on her way home uh, from work, followed her to the parking lot before killing her. Um, he also, so this is, you know, a little bit of a side derailment, but I saw this and I was like, oh my God, I need to. Yes. So... Uh, he confessed to 
also murdering and sexually assaulting two other women, 24-year-old Annie Mae Johnson and 15-year-old Barbara Kralik. Oh, my God. Um, And he also confessed to committing between 30 and 40 burglaries. What a piece of shit. Absolute piece of shit. It gets worse. That's my hashtag. That's your fucking hashtag. It really is. Like, hashtag, it gets worse. So, despite... I'm going to say that sometime. When I'm presenting a case, I'm going to say, oh, it gets worse. I need to say it. Okay. Because I've you had do. cases that you, get worse. You very much have. I know. I think, honestly, I think your case now is the only one that uh, it gets better can be ascribed, and it's because she lived. I know. Yeah, true. Despite his knowledge and details of these two murders, yeah. police took no formal statement, and he was never tried for killing Johnson or Kralik. So as it turns out, detectives had already obtained confessions from another man for the murder of Kralik. Months earlier, a teenager who's named Alvin Mitchell confessed to murdering Kralik. Uh, He was 18 years old at the time, and he'd been interrogated by police seven times over the 50 hours. Jeez. Um, After which, he signed a confession that was written by the detectives. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah. While in police custody, he claimed he was threatened and physically abused, and he quickly recanted his confession. He just signed it because he wanted to get out of there. Yeah. Which... It, oh. Fucking 60s. Yeah. I mean, um, the fucking 60s, I think that shit happens now. I mean, it absolutely does. I don't think. I know that yeah. shit still happens now. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's shit like this that is such a driving force of, I think, a lot of people's mistrust of law enforcement. Because you can have a hundred law enforcement officers who are doing amazing, incredible things every day, and you have a couple that, you know, do shit like this. Yeah. Again, a little bit of a sidetrack off the sidetrack. But you know how people say, when people bring up, like, not every law enforcement officer is good. People, you know, like, their defense is, oh, well, they're, you know, yeah, there are a couple bad apples, but whatever whatever right the phrase is not there's a couple bad apples so it's fine it's uh, one couple bad, bad apples, apples ruin the, ruined bunch. the bunch yes which and it blows my mind that i'm like you know you're using that and yet not understand no no yeah. well i think it's one bad apple ruins the bunch yeah one it's so true because you have like a corrupt yeah. someone that's gonna ruin and influence the rest of everyone around them Absolutely. It blows my mind because you read cases like this that it's like this 18-year-old kid is very likely coerced into this confession for a murder he did not commit because he's 18. He wants to go home. Yeah. They've been interrogating him over and over over 50 hours. Well, and I hear times that they do that and they say things like, you just need to sign this and you can go home. Yeah. And that's not true. No. It just blows my mind that there are legal loopholes. And sometimes it's not even legal loopholes. It's just legal to do that. For law enforcement officers to do that. I know. And it's it's disgusting. It ruins people's view of a lot of people. And it's... It's very unfortunate. And it's yeah. a whole nother yeah, it's, bag of... Bag of worms. Just yeah. a can of worms. That's... Well... You know, it can be either. If you're a fisherman, sometimes you have a bag of worms and dirt. I mean, if you're a like a three-year-old playing in the yard, you might even have a bag of worms. It's true. But anyway, so Mitchell, not Mosley, was tried for the murder of Barbara Kralik. Oh. Mosley even served as a defense witness. What? Um, 
He not only confessed to killing Kralik, but also provided a step-by-step account of the murder, including the detail that a small serrated steak knife had been used as the murder weapon, which was a detail that had not been made public. And this other, the, the young kid, this still eighteen-year-old. Well, his first trial ended in a hung jury, but in his second trial, he was convicted of first-degree manslaughter, and he served 12 years and 8 months before being released. Even though this other guy is saying, like, I did I it, here's did how it. I did it. And this, this is how I did it, and here's mm-hmm. a weapon I used. And... Yep. What the fuck? Yep. That was my little sidetrack, but... Wanted to throw that in because yeah. fuck everything. Yeah. Fuck everything. Fuck everyone. Yeah. So back to Kitty Genovese's case. Uh, Mosley initially pled not guilty, but his attorney later changed that to not guilty by reason of insanity. So during his testimony, Mosley described the events of the night he murdered Kitty, um, along with the two other murders right. uh, that he had confessed to, as well as the other burglaries and rapes. Um, the jury deliberated for seven hours before they returned oh. a guilty verdict at around 10.30 p.m. on June 11th. Okay. On June 15th, he was sentenced to death for the murder of Kitty. Wow. Um, when the jury foreman read the sentence, he showed no emotion. He was just kind of like, okay. And some of the spectators were applauding and cheering at his death conviction. That I, is... That's a lot. That's... Yeah. That's too much. That's too much. It just... No. no. Pleading... Ch- mm. Yeah. It's one of those things that I don't care what that person has done. They're still a you human. You cheer for another person's death. And it's... Ever. It's something that I have had so many issues with. Uh, I got into a huge, huge fight when Osama bin Laden was announced dead. I fucking knew. Yeah. Knew that was what you were going to say. Because, yes, everyone was cheering, but it's like someone died. Like, that's, like, I understand this. They, this person did horrible things. I, I don't know how you can be in a headspace that you think it is okay to cheer and celebrate the death of another person. That's, that's never okay. I'm also someone who is so strongly against the death penalty in every sense of it, but... I know you are. But even people like Osama bin Laden or Mm -hmm. Hitler cheering for their death, how does that make you better than them? Well, like, being happy that this person who did these bad things is not going to be able to continue that and hurt more people, perfectly That's one thing. That's one thing. Honestly, get you. I am with you. That's what you cheer about. To cheer and applaud that someone is dead... No. Nope. I I can't. I just cannot get behind that. I can't either. And it it gets hard because there are some people that are just so wicked and so nasty and so Mm -hmm. awful. But again, it's more cheer about the fact that whatever they were doing that made them wicked or nasty or awful, that they're no longer able to do that. Mm -hmm. Don't cheer about the fact that they're dead and they've been removed from their life on this earth. Like, that's not... That's not anything to celebrate. No. Because even... And this may sound, like, controversial, but even the most horrible, terrible, terrible person is important to someone. You know, maybe it's their husband, their dad, their child. Like, their... Their mom. That's not... Yeah. That's not... No one deserves No one's death deserves to be celebrated like that. 
it, it's something I have a huge issue with because that. No, I yeah. So he was convicted, and yeah. people cheered death penalty. Rama. Yeah. So after this sentencing, the judge added, "I don't believe in capital punishment, but when I see a monster like this, I wouldn't hesitate to pull the switch myself." Fuck! Oh my yeah, god! The judge. Jesus. So, you know. Yeah. So June first of nineteen sixty-seven, the New York Court of Appeals found that he should have been able to argue that he was medically insane at the sentencing hearing, and the sentence was reduced to lifetime imprisonment from capital punishment. Okay, so it went from death to life. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Um, and he wound I'm up... I'm okay with it, actually. At, same. I'm like, yep, that's what it should be. And he died in prison in March of 2016. Oh my god! Yeah, very oh, recently. But I guess you said he was 28, 29? 29. 29. Yep. Okay, wow. He... So, he was in prison for 50 years. Do you 50 know years. what prison he was at? I'm not sure. The, I only ask because I, I wondered if it was Rikers. Rikers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. Also, how weird is it that... I just... When I hear about prisons that are in a, a huge city like Rikers or Alcatraz, I'm like, why? Why wouldn't you put this prison in, like... Somewhere that's not by a big city? Yeah. Because yeah. even, like, in an area of upstate New York, where, um, or, like, Connecticut, where Danbury is, away from a giant city. Like, what? Yeah. Well, when I worked in Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. I was just, like, a couple blocks away from the the prison? Uh, um, jail. 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 Yeah. Okay, the, wait. Because the so, prison in Oklahoma that's close to the metro is, I believe, El Reno. Isn't there one in McAllister? I think there's one in McAllister, too. I think it's the women's prison is in McAllister. So, but, remind yeah. me, because this, unfortunately, is one of the things I, I constantly forget. What's the difference in jail and prison? So, jail is where someone goes to when they're awaiting trial or awaiting to go to prison. Oh, my God. So, yeah. jail is where the people are that it's like, oh, you're waiting for your court date. You're waiting yeah. for your sentencing. You're So, when you get picked or up if by... You, like, you know... Let's say you get a DUI. Yeah. And you, like, the cops pick you up. They take you to jail because you haven't been sentenced yet. You haven't confessed to a crime. So, yeah. So you're not going to go to prison. Yeah. Okay. Um, Fun fact on this note uh, we talked about it like three days ago, but I wanted to bring it up for our listeners. The Federal Transfer Center for Prisons is in Oklahoma City. Which is crazy to me. Most prisoners in the U.S have been in prison in Oklahoma City. It's probably because it's, like, the center of the United States. It is, and it's not a huge airport, so there's not as many security risks as if the center... Because it's it's located right off Will Rogers Airport, which is the Oklahoma City Airport. Yeah. Um, So the flights... So say a prisoner is being transferred from... uh, They did a crime in Florida. They're being transferred from jail there to... Uh, you know, it was a f- super fucked up crime. They're being sentenced to uh, San Quentin in California, Supermax. So they oh, will. So they go from jail. Their flight to... will go from Florida with all the other inmates that are being transferred to other prisons across the nation yeah. to Oklahoma City. And they will sit in FTC, OKC, for as many days as till the next flight or the flight that they're on goes to San Quentin. 
Isn't there an episode of Orange is the New Black yes. where they're in an airplane and they're do they go mm. to OKC in that? Uh she actually did. The uh Piper Kerman, the woman who wrote the book, the series inspired yeah. by, spent her time in OKC at oh the at the Federal Transfer Center. I think in the show, it's Chicago or something is where she's stays. Yeah, it's not OKC. Uh, it's not I would have I would have remembered that more. Yeah. But yeah, so fun fact: uh, most federal prisoners have gone through OKC. There you go. So, um, anyway, but yeah, the difference between prison and jail: jail is more like holding, holding, um, and okay. prison is after your court sentencing. Maybe I'll remember that now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll see. So, in the days that followed the murder, um, it really didn't receive a lot of media attention. It was just, a, unfortunately, another rape and murder in New York in the 60s. God damn it, yeah. Um, it took a remark from the New York City Police Commissioner to a New York Times editor. Uh, they were at lunch together and took this comment to motivate the Times into publishing um, an investigative report that the Queen story is one for the books. Oh. Yeah, it took that for them to actually look into it and be like, oh, shit. I assume that's how they sounded. Probably. (laughs) So the article um, was published on March 27th of 64, which was two weeks after the murder. It claimed that 38 witnesses saw the murder. But... There was actually an error that reduced the number of witnesses by one in the headline. So the headline, 37 who saw murder and didn't call the police, is a pretty famous headline that a lot of people have seen. Yep. Um, it's been quoted and reproduced since then um, and has been... But is it true? No, it's okay. not. It's been quoted as... So you may also see like 38 who saw murder and didn't call the police, but... They just pull a number out of their ass to make it sound good? Not... I'll, I'll get into it. Oh, okay, okay. So, the public view of this story, because, holy fuck, that's an incendiary headline. Yeah. Like, that is something I'd be like, oh, what is wrong with these people? These are horrible people. How did they do nothing? Um, it crystallized around this one quote from the article by an unidentified neighbor. Um, this neighbor saw part of the attack, but deliberated, was like, oh, I don't know before finally getting another neighbor to call the police, they were quoted as saying, I didn't want to get involved. So, in the same of, I I believe you had a murder mini where the famous quote was like, I just hate Mondays. Yeah. Or, like, fuck Monday. I don't remember what the quote was. Yeah, no, it was, I I don't like Mondays. Yeah. Yeah, the famous quote from this is, I I didn't want to get involved. Um, I have heard that. Yeah. So many, the the view of this story of Kitty's murder became kind of emblematic to the callousness or um, the apathy yeah. of life in big cities and in New York City in particular. Yeah. Because that is like, oh, fuck, the big city people aren't even going to turn another eye when someone's getting murdered. 38 of them. Which, because the image they portray yeah. is this crowd of people surrounding, what just watching. And it's like, that's not, that's no. not what happened. It's not, but I will say, having lived in New York, I can see how you could hear a commotion and not 
call the police. Because yeah. loud things, arguments, like that kind of shit happens, unfortunately, a lot. Yeah. I will say... And knowing th- when is the time to call 911 yeah. can be hard. Well, like, at the same time, I say that, and again, I will emphasize, just fucking call. I know. See, I... Just call. I agree to a point. There's definitely... Because when I lived in Seattle, I lived in the city. And I would hear drunken I mean, I arguments. I, I mean, it. yeah, I know. You you more so, but I'm letting you know I also have a maybe not as similar, but similar perspective. You have so let similar. me have this. Let me have this. You can have it. Go. But yeah, all the time you'll hear, you know, drunken arguments or fights. So, but there is a difference between hearing an argument and hearing you're like, I don't know if this is an argument or domestic abuse. I'm called police. Yes. Or if there this is totally a difference. There is. And I I'm someone who will call the police. Because again, worst case scenario, it's just a bad argument. The police show up and it's like, Oh, sorry, we're drunk. We got in a fight about when to do our taxes. You know, I don't know. I don't know what people fight about because I've <laughs> never really been in a good relationship or a he, significant one. So he always <laughs> steals my french fries and it's just like two guy best friends and it's like he always fucking steals my fries and tonight it just I was fed up depends on where the fries are from but I might get it McDonald's <sighs> okay those fries are fucking amazing don't, they, don't shit on McDonald's I'm not going you know what I will shit on McDonald's in general but not no, on no, fries no. you know what there's a McDonald's it's on the corner of I think 14th and 1st in the East Village I've had drunken nights there because sometimes you just want to fuck up some chicken nuggets. Yes. Or a Big Mac. My bus stop um, that I would get off in downtown Seattle was next to the McDonald's on 3rd. And absolutely. It was also McDonald's that had a window, the walk up window, which was amazing. Uh, yeah. Um, There's a P. Terry's here that has a walk up window. Huh. I've used it. It's the one on South Lamar, and it's so fun. Like, you go up to Linda, you're like, hi. I walked here. I want a big old meaty burger. I'll have a burger and fries and a motherfucking chocolate shake. And they're like, yeah, we know everyone wants a chocolate shake. You're not special. And I stand there in my fancy dress and I'm like, can you just like Fancy dress. For some reason, I'm literally picturing like a prom dress, but I need to get back to my story. We've had a lot of tangents. Okay, sorry, sorry. But it wasn't a fancy dress. It was a jumpsuit. It was after a Christmas party. Go. I have a lot of questions for after the podcast about that. But sure, okay. go ahead. There have been more recent investigations into what this was and to the original version of what happened. Um, a 2004 article by the New York Times uh, that was published on the 40th anniversary of oh. her murder okay. um, raised a ton of questions yeah. about the claims in the original New York Times article. And a 2007 study found that a lot of the facts about the murder were unfounded. Oh. And there was no evidence for the presence of 38 witnesses or that witnesses observed the murder or that witnesses even remained inactive. Oh my God. So the whole premise of everything that this concept is based on was Mm -hmm. not true. Yep. So after his death, after Mosley's death in March of 2016... Uh, the New York Times called their story flawed and stated that while there was no question that the attack occurred and that some neighbors 
did ignore cry- the cries for help, the portrayal of 38 witnesses as fully aware and unresponsive was erroneous. The article grossly exaggerated the number of witnesses and what they had perceived. Yeah. None saw the attack in its entirety. What? And only a few had glimpsed parts of it or recognized the cries for help. Oh my god. Wait, are you kidding me? This whole thing... Yeah. Oh my god. Many thought they had heard lovers or drunks quarreling. There were two attacks, not three, which was in the original article. There had been three attacks. Um, and afterwards, two people did call the police. A 70-year-old woman ventured out and cradled the dying victim in her arms until the police arrived. Miss Genovese died on the way to the hospital. Yeah. So... The idea that there's these 38 people that did nothing, that that inspired the bystander effect, which is real. The bystander yes. effect it's is totally absolutely real. a thing. Yes. But the details and the severity of this case that inspired it is not real. And what really... It's so crazy. What gets me about this case a lot is just the two-facedness of it. So the fact that it's cited so heavily as a case where nobody did anything and everyone is just so jaded and expects others to do something and yeah. how horrible people are, et cetera, et cetera. But how many people actually knew the details of this case? They, you know, they know like, oh, this murder happened, but they don't know Kitty's name. Which is um, crazy because I feel like I've always known her name's Kitty and maybe her last name, to be completely honest, yeah. I, I don't always remember, but... It's something I've heard about this case so much and about the bystander effect and what inspired it. Nobody tells me whose name it was. I didn't know her name until they I found They just this say case. like, oh, there was a woman in Queens. Yeah, was who was, who was killed and all these people saw. But how many people focus on how horrible all these people are for doing nothing and know literally nothing about the attack or the victim? It's one of those yeah. cases that has become so known yeah. That people act like there wasn't a victim in the case. Like, it's so known that this is a thing that it's more of, like, like a psychology experiment. Ugh. Or it's more of something like, I can't believe people are like this. No, you're right. You're, it's about the people who yeah. witness it and not the victim. Yeah. It's not about how Kitty was this 28-year-old woman coming home from work who was attacked and raped and murdered feet from her apartment building and her 70 year old neighbor held her in her arms as she was dying and police are getting there that's what this case is about it's not about like oh my god how how is the people as a whole are so so jaded they don't do anything that's not what this is about no this is about kitty well and as someone who i'm about to turn 31 when i hear things about women that were killed younger than I am it's weird I think about where I am and my perspective in life and how I'm like still fucking young and I think about victims not just women but just all victims who Mm -hmm. were taken at younger than I am and it just it's so hard to comprehend in my mind Mm -hmm. of someone's life ending so soon because I still feel like I haven't done anything like I've done a lot I've had a great life but I I still feel like there's so much more to come. And when I think about attacks like this and, and like, the murder of Kitty and she was 28, it's... 
Well, it, it I mean, the almost heart. murder of Priyanka. Like the and she's eighteen, eight. eighteen years old, and I had to fucking experience what she did. I don't I, know how I, I was eighteen. And I was worried about stupid shit like boys and you almost all died that. when you were eighteen. So, but okay, uh, we can cut that out if you don't want to. No, it's fine. I, <laughs> I, I did. I was, I was in a very severe car accident, <laughs> but I didn't die. You didn't. But, but I'm I, just saying. I feel like. That touch with death. Actually, I mean, it, it will go more to support what you're saying. I feel yeah. like if anyone would have a... If anyone that I know. Not anyone in general. But whatever. If anyone have that similar experience to being on the brink of death and having so much more to... It would be you. Yeah. And yet it's something that's not... It's still so foreign of like, you have so much more to do. Well, and a lot of that is because... I don't remember it. I have no memory. I, I have memory is, loss. That is everything about it. I mean, I'm obviously most thankful that you're alive. But after that, I'm most thankful that you don't remember anything. Uh, me too. It, it, so it's one of those things that I'm afraid of randomly receiving those memories back. Mm-hmm. But I think my mind knows to protect me from them. Yeah. And that my brain in that instance knew not to record those memories. It was like, nope. We don't want to know this. We don't want to know. Because for our listeners, what happened, I was involved in a car accident when I was 17 years old. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I was where I was. I don't know what I was doing. I don't remember. Um, The last thing I remember of that day, I was at Taco Bell with a couple of friends. And then fast forward to at least three days, maybe closer to a week. It depends. Did you wake up in the ICU or in your actual room? Is what uh, you remember I last. woke up in a room. Oh, God. It You were nice to you for like a week or week and a half. So, so it was so yeah, like a while. I woke up in my room and the first thing I remember were a few of my friends from the church that I went to <laughs> visiting me. And, and when I woke up, it was not this like alarming, where am I? It was, I woke up with this knowledge of where I was, who was there, and I was just having a conversation. But when it comes to my actual memories, I have no idea. And, yeah. I mean, y'all have told me stories of the time. <laughs> like. <laughs> Apparently, I flashed my dad because I was on so much morphine and I was hot or something. And I was oh, like, see. trying to rip off my robe. I ripped out the IV. I remember when I stayed the night in the oh, hospital God. in the ICU with you. And you <laughs> turned over, pointed at me, and you were just like, you did this. This is your fault. And I went back to sleep. <laughs> and I was like, oh I wasn't even God. like feeling guilty. I was like, what? Oh. And daddy, I think daddy was there with me. And he was like, I think that's just the morphine. I was like, I mean, I know. I'm also in like sixth grade. I'm like 11 or 10 or something. I'm 11. Um, but yeah. I was just like, okay. You're Obviously like- not laughing, but just like confused like what yeah because we were still like we were talking to you and you, we were having conversations even when we were in the icu but we had conversations it would depend it would depend on how heavy the pain meds were that day but yeah like the, during the day and stuff you would have like i mean there'd be like conversations you would have with a really drunk person but it was still conversations like we'd say stuff you'd say stuff back it's so it's a feeling and and combined with emotions that I can't describe of not having memory. Mm-hmm. And I think and why my body and my mind did this for me was 
not remembering the trauma helped me recover. Because I remember, you know, I remember being in a wheelchair and having this neck brace and just being so like laissez-faire about it. It was just like, oh, it is what it is. Like, it'll come off. And I did have some frustrating moments when it came to things like showering or the fact that I was in a fucking wheelchair. I think it was more as a 17 year old, the reality of I'm, I'm in a fucking wheelchair and I don't know why. Like, I yeah. knew why, but I don't remember why. Yeah. That was what was the most struggling part for me. And it just, it's so weird. But I will, I will always thank my body and my mind for not bringing those memories. And one of the things I am most, <laughs> I know, I know, we're, we're done with bottle two. I want more. <laughs> but one of the things that I'm scared of in life is those memories ever coming back. And so I just like, hope and you know send mm-hmm. good thoughts that that that's not something that my mind will ever bring back to me because i don't want it see the hardest part for me and after this we'll we'll change the subject we'll because go to post- a lot, postmortem but, but is it it was a couple years later after um when i really realized the severity of it well, because obviously I was young. 11, yeah. so people aren't going to be like, except for the cop that told us. Oh, so <laughs> I thought about that. I was going to say that earlier, but I, yeah. I've i just heard stories. You should give your first hand. So how I heard about it, I think your wreck happened was, four or five. It was in the afternoon. Yeah, it was in the afternoon. Um, and it was late. It was probably seven when I found out. So I'm sitting in the living room watching Twister. It's Where the summer. Mama? Was she working? At the hospital. She oh, found out hours before we did. And didn't call and tell y'all? Well, uh, I no, guess No, because she, wanted... she was in the ER with you. She wanted to know what was going on. Yeah. Um, oh, she had called her neighbor. Sorry. Yeah. She Again, had called our neighbor who was trying to figure out best time, best way. Unfortunately, it wasn't quick enough because I'm sitting there watching Twister and this cop is at the door. Knocks on the door and it's me and our sister Sydney who would have been 13 at Wait, the time. If Mama was already at the ER, where the fuck did the cop come to the house? Um, I assume he saw on your license oh, where you lived. Maybe miscommunication or, and he yeah. had to go there. Got it, got it. So, no, he knew that Mama was at the hospital with you. Oh. So, yeah. So, me and Sid are home alone. Watching, you know, I'm watching Twister. I don't know what the fuck Sydney's doing. She's been a 13 year old being somewhere. Yeah. The cop comes to the door and Sid joins me at the door. I answered. So I was like, hi, I'm 11. I don't know how 11 year olds answer the door. But and basically he's, like that. Yeah. And he's <laughs> like, hi, I'm officer, whatever. So your sister was in a car accident. Um, you know, she broke her neck. Um, she, you know, she's in the hospital. We're not sure how she is. And I'm like, ooh, ooh, I, what? I, and at that moment, our neighbor is sprinting over. And she's she was sprinting like she was an 18-year-old track star. Yeah. She was coming across the street. <laughs> and she came up to this cop and looked at him. And it was a, you shut the fuck up look. Yeah. And he was like, <gasps> okay. And he's like this big, like six four cop dude, and she's like five one. Like, you shut the fuck up, young man. I don't know. I don't know if she said anything to him or just gave him the look. Yeah, but looks all is needed. And then he just left. And then she came in, and 
explained it in a much nicer way. Yeah. Because we were like, is she dead? Like, I don't understand. Um, and then, but years later, year, probably two years later, I talked to Mama about it. Because I still, at this point, didn't really realize that you could have died. And that's what it... That's anyway, what it hits you. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, post-mortem, <laughs> Priyanka. Let's talk about Priyanka. Um, okay. Honestly, I think this is a pretty complicated one for, to decide. Yeah. Because... Priyanka was this amazing, amazing woman who was able to survive an attack by a machete yeah. from an ex-boyfriend and praised to the public that they witnessed what was happening, called the police, made sure that they were there as absolutely soon as possible, and she lived, saved her life. And mine was Kitty Genovese, who was um, attacked raped, murdered outside her apartment complex, and not only that, but the case became something of like, not a folk legend, but something that was just so misunderstood for years, well, and it removed her from from the what happened. It did. Her case became more about alerting people to it became when you more see something, of a, say something. Like, yeah, it became more of a stern warning than a, this young woman died in a horrible way. Yeah. I almost feel like just because of the historical nature of yours and what was to come out of your case, <laughs> like, while I feel like mine was ridiculously brutal and, yeah, and that the emotion... I know. And the emotion <laughs> that's connected to it and you know, what our listeners heard. I think just because of yours and how it set the stone and set the case for being sure to be involved, like mm-hmm. just call 911. Just, just to, when, when something doesn't yeah. feel right, there's a reason it doesn't feel right. Yeah. And that you should make that known and... Yeah. Well, as much as the details and the things that everyone thinks they know about this case are wrong... Oh, I know. The that message my mind. is right. Like... Yeah. You, if you see something, you should say something. Even if you're not sure, like, oh, I probably should. Y- yes, you absolutely should call the police. If you're this hesitating, This is a 911 dispatcher's job. Yes. You're not, you know, you're not holding someone up. It's Because you called does not mean someone else can. There's enough, like, if you see something, you could save a life. You could save a life. And just, just remember that. Listeners... For real, if you ever have that gut instinct of, should I call 911, just do it. Because the information you give over the phone, the information that you say, there's a huge, unfortunate possibility that no one else is making that call. Yeah. So make the call, do it. Even when it's a tiny incident, it's a minute out of your day. Yeah. It's a minute and it's all you are doing is your best to help someone. Well, and I will say, I really thought bringing my case uh, about Priyanka was going to win me this one, but you came in with the big guns with Kitty and the historical, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give this one to you. Honestly, um, you won this one. I'll take it. I'm not I'm not giving yeah. it to you. You won it. 
Because I, it's funny, I originally, so when I was doing my research, Kitty was the first person that popped up. Of like, course. when you type in public murder, it's like the second Google link. Yeah. And I saw it and I was like, oh yeah, I don't want to do that one. Everyone knows that case. Yeah. And I kept looking for more. I was like, uh, the, you know, let me dive in a little bit more with Kitty and do some research. And it's so much more than I ever thought. Because I, yeah. before doing this research, was in the party of like, oh, these 38 people did nothing. You know? Yep. And I I was picturing it happening in like no middle of the day, group of people doing nothing. Same. And again, yeah, this, this bystander effect does happen. Because there are cases. It's true. Today, I found one where, you know, a man was attacked in Chicago. And beaten to death in the middle of the street in broad daylight. Oh, God. People recorded on their phones, but no one called the police. Like, it, it does happen. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. But it call, does. Okay, listeners, yeah. call 911 before you whip out the video. Like. For fucking real. Or. Stop recording it and fucking call the police. Or literally have. Be like, Brittany, call the police. You know, because also the video evidence could be important, but make sure someone is fucking calling the police first. Yeah. If you hear, if you are in a group of people and some shit's going down and you hear someone on the phone being like, hello, 911, this is what's happening. Then okay. Yeah. Maybe record it on your phone if, yeah, if that's what you're wanting to. Yeah, maybe record it for the evidence. But um, if you don't hear that, fucking call. Fucking call the police. Okay. With that, I'll take the win for Kitty. Yeah, you can, um, it's yours, and uh, whatever wine you pick, if you decide to choose another Chardonnay, I'll understand, because you love this one so much. I'm not going to pick a Chardonnay. I know, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> are you kidding, or are you hoping? No, no, no. Okay, the things I hope for are cabs and zens. Um, oh, well, then, yeah, because I'm feeling a cab. I think we need to do a zen. I don't think we have done one. Uh, we'll see. It. I love zens, but I have to be in the mood for a peppery wine. Okay, well, fingers crossed you will be. <laughs> fingers um, crossed I will be in, when we're recording next. In, in a week? Yeah. So, make sure to um, rate and review us. Yes. Thank you so you... much for listening to this episode. Like, we we want to know your thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, review us on iTunes. It really helps us to go up in those rankings and you'll yes. be able to find us easier. Um, because um, your reviews can make sure that other listeners like you, you know, are listening to a podcast. They love it. They scroll to the bottom. They see this new, ooh, blood and wine. Let me find that. Yeah. So when you scroll down to the bottom of any podcast you're listening to, there's like suggested ones. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we would love to be those suggested. Yeah. Or actually, we would love to be the one you're listening to. I, true. I mean, I, I scrolled down <laughs> the other day and found uh, this white wine true crime yeah. I've listened to a little bit of. And it's, there's, weirdly, there's a lot of wine and true crime podcasts. Like, it's, it's a... It's true. It's a pretty common thing, and I... I think it's because of the rhyming. I guess. But I... So, I'm not someone who re-listens to many podcasts. I listen to hours. <laughs> because I'm conceited. No, no, and... no. I, I mean, I get it. I like to hear <laughs> no. what we sound like, and I listen. I'm not like completely caught up on our own, which sounds weird to say out loud, but Fair. I know what we're saying. So, <laughs> well, it's also we are caught up because we record it and edit it. We are but... like caught up more than everyone else, <laughs> you know. But um, you know, I listen to a couple crime podcasts. I'm a fan of Wine and Crime. I'm a fan of My Favorite Murder. 
I have um, HR Happy Hour. That's my HR podcast I listen nice. to. Um, Podcasts are fucking awesome. They they are. Well, and honestly, this HR Happy Hour one has been really great because I'm. This is gonna be off topic and boring to most, but we're about done, so whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm taking the an HR certification exam in December. Yeah. And so with my classes, with my studying, this one's actually really helped. So oh, if you're good. looking to, awesome. you know, improve yourself professionally, personally, fucking podcast. Because it's not something I really ever listened to before starting one. No. Like, I, I don't, because I'm not someone who can listen to podcasts while working. I get too oh, distracted. I'll listen to like three minutes and have to pause it and do stuff. And I, I'm like, I can't yeah, even get three no. minutes in. I'm one of those, like, when I am working on something and I have to think about my work task, I can't listen at the same, same time. So I don't listen to podcasts at work, but it's what I do in the morning when I go home. And so every day I listen to Up First. It's it's an NPR podcast. I love it. Hmm. It It's 15 minutes and it's highlights. Oh, perfect. I know. It's perfect. It's highlights of the news now and what's yeah. going on. And of course, you know, if you want to tune in, there's NPR on your radio. Side note, be sure to donate because that's how NPR runs. And mm. it's something that's so... I didn't know that. Yes. you. I mean, you I didn't do... know it was a donation thing. Yes. I didn't know NPR was run by a Patreon, basically. I mean... Which we maybe... also have. Which we got a Patreon. Which no. we're going to buy Brittany a chair and get y'all some merch. Seriously, though, pins, t-shirts, koozies, a fucking, wine openers. Honestly, I well, our first thing that I think we're wanting to do is a website. Um, yeah, we do. We don't have which, a website right now. We would love to have a website and a blog. And a blog could give you links to our sources. Oh, absolutely. To the information that we're collecting. And I so thought you about can uploading our, like, just our raw notes that we use as yes. something for all to kind of, like, oh, see. No, that's true. We could absolutely upload our notes. We um, each create pretty detailed note documents. Maybe you'll want to see that. Maybe you just want to read more and not hear yeah. just, like, what we're saying. But so, um, I'm just saying, you know. On that. Be sure to like us and follow us. Yes. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and check us out. SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher. We're a lot of platforms. We're everywhere. Honestly, Hootsuite's our best friend. Seriously, though. Thank you, Hootsuite. (laughs) Um, But... Yeah, we'll go ahead and let you go. This has been a very detailed, heavy, lots of emotions from our side, I think, episode. And yeah, um, we love y'all. Thank you so much for listening. Yes. And XOXO. Blood and Wine signing off. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.